0: Agnieszka! Hi Karolina! And hello to the Here and There podcast after another short break which was a little bit too long we are told and we are very sorry for that. It's my fault again. Now my baby boy is all grown up and you can expect a healthy dose of new episodes airing very very soon. How are you doing Agnieszka?
1: I'm doing quite okay. It's right now when we're recording in almost the holidays or in the US it's actually between Thanksgiving and Christmas so I'm a little bit anxious uh, but I'm looking forward to the nice comfort of the holidays as well Christmas specifically um how have you been
0: yeah I've been okay um we are recording this intro for the second time because our first time didn't work out um quite as we wanted it yeah that 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 hasn't been the best for me it was a technical difficulty
1: technical difficulty exactly But maybe we should bring everybody up to speed as to uh, what's happened in the,
0: in the break. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, um, what's happened in the break? Well,
1: I traveled to Scotland to meet uh, the little guy and it turned out to be quite the trip. I enjoyed it immensely and obviously fell in love with the guy. So now we can take a year off, two years off and I'll be fine with that because I know that there's a very handsome and good reason behind it. So I'm happy I did that.
0: oh that's very sweet of you i was thinking when i was just thinking today about it that um at the very beginning when we didn't travel to many countries when we were much younger maybe we were in high school and just starting to explore the world every country was a very exciting uh, visit and a very exciting thing very uh, novelty how does it how does it feel to be traveling to a place again and again like you visit us in scotland
1: you know, I um, I don't feel like I'm traveling to the same place because at the same time, I always visit you at a different spot. So this time I visit you at, a you know, a new house and it may be, you know, it may be the same city sometimes. But I feel like to me, even if I'm traveling anywhere outside of my home, it's always a little bit new. So um, other than it felt like I never traveled this time because it was my first trip since covid. So I didn't know what to do. You know, I checked, triple checked everything, everything. Like, what do I do? Like, how do I find myself at the airport? It's like you're you've never traveled um, before. So that was new to me. Um, but I also, um, I don't know, I always look forward to traveling back to certain places because I'm the kind of person that has uh, a big notion of missing out of FOMO. So I'm always afraid of missing out. And if I go back to a certain place that my anxiety around it is less because I feel like, oh, I've already seen this, that, and and that. And then I only have, you know, maybe this to see, or I don't even know. Like I can be more relaxed about it. How are you feelings about visiting You know, your family
0: or your close friends. Again and again. Uh, Yeah, I think with the family, it's easier if that's the same spot because you can focus on people more rather than sightseeing or whatever. Yeah, I don't mind it anymore. But I'm still getting excited when I go to a very new place. Uh, I like to going to new places, even to for for a walk or for a run. Uh, there is something exciting about that. But because of the COVID, I think that uh, traveling these days it comes with a, a dose of anxiety rather than dose of excitement. For for the, for, for the most of us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it was just very difficult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were so many different things. I had to get tested three times and it was a 10-day trip. So it felt kind of excessive. It was before they opened the borders. just right before. But I feel like it was still worth it. You can at least know that you can only do it if it really feels You know, that it's um, something important that you have to do. I was actually counting the other day of how many years we live in a different city or a different country out of our friendship. And I think it must be something like maybe 12 years or something more than 10 years. So like the majority of our friendship, actually, we haven't lived in the same city, but we still managed to keep showing up for the big moments for each other. So I don't feel like we missed a lot of the really important things like having babies or getting married Or, you know, graduating, I got to go to a fancy graduation in Scotland. (laughs) Um, So I felt like we really um, were able to, at least in the big moments, they connect and I feel like that trip to Scotland was part of that for me as well. To just, you know, show up at that moment where you have a small baby. And if I waited even a few months at that point, it wouldn't have been the same, I feel.
0: No, definitely. And it's only, uh, I think because my family is away, even though my mom and my dad... Uh, met him it's only a small group of people who got to meet him when he was really really little and uh, yeah I feel that these months when he was so tiny uh, were very different to how he is now now he's a baby and you can do stuff with him and I think things are a little bit less helpless than they were (laughs) four months ago um. Uh, yeah not that I remember any of it my cousin messaged me a few days ago and she was saying how when you're sleep deprived you don't form memories so she was thinking that um lack of memories from these first few months it's, it's due to that that's probably like a self-preservation thing
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense a good thing that we have videos and pictures yeah a ton of them these Very days different
0: right mm-hmm
1: and I feel like it's also different for our families or the people that are not around. So like for me, it, it's a big difference that I have easy access to videos and pictures of Jonah because, yeah, it's it's not quite the same as if I don't have to really ask for them or, you know, they're like <laughs> always there. And I feel like I'm kind of part of that journey, which is, you know, the, the good part of technology. Um, have you thought about it? How would you, the first few months look for you if you had your, you know, your family or your mom and dad and kind of like the immediate support system a little bit? bit closer
0: yeah I thought about it a little bit I think it uh, on one side it would be easier and perhaps I would feel a little bit more connected um and on the other hand I would probably miss out on the connection I have with my partner he's definitely my first uh, go-to point and I spend fairly a lot a lot of time and the, the first few months we spend a lot of time together and I think sometimes the extra or the additional people in the background are uh, they are helpful but they are also a little bit like what I experience noise to to that immediate relationship in, in front of me it has its advantages and disadvantages definitely but as I, as we were discussing the first time we were recording this introduction we were saying how for people who live so far from each other to not miss out on these big moments, you sort of have to prioritize visiting each other or prioritize participating in these moments somehow. And we are all busy; it's it's difficult for for us to do that. But somehow we we made it. Yeah. So thank you for coming. Thank you for visiting.
1: It was a lot of fun. We didn't do any podcasting uh, work hands on, but we uh, took many great walks and and uh, plenty conversations. We managed actually to do so many different things that I would not expect to do with a, a super small child with COVID and everything so it felt very much like a vacation but also super special with that little bonus I got to see even though it's been just a few years between our kids I also see that they're being raised in a different way it may be the time or you know that definitely were different parents but it's it's a lot of it's nice to see it because it's like oh you know baby massage like I (laughs) there was no baby massage in my in my day um, and going back, I just wanted to say, going back to what you um, said about having your family, you know, not um, immediately next door, I think that's um, also part of what um, we are talking about today with Lilia, our guest, is that you always gain something and you lose something when you move away. So there's a, a, many different things that she talks a lot about status and you lose your place in society kind of when you go to a new country, but you also gain a bunch of things. And I think that one of the things she also mentioned is you gain that sense of freedom that you can, you decide more about who you are and your time because you have the space around you that you can fill with whatever type of people and stories and activities you want. So so that's, um, yeah, that's always an interesting thing that kind of sense of freedom and hope and that grief of losing a lot of different things uh, where that's you know what Safira was talking about with losing your you know the people to put around your table or just like you have a certain education you have a certain network that you no longer have when you move yeah so today we are talking uh, to Lilia and we are in for a fascinating exploration of Moscow and New York I mean who isn't curious about the two city cities located in the most powerful
0: countries in the world uh, and Lilia want- while she talks about things uh, that many immigrants could identify with that I think us can identify with she's also providing us with um, her own unique perspective she has a um, This lovely seductive ability to to talk about things as they are or as they were for her. And when she speaks, we really listened. It's our longest episode so far, which is interesting. I think it's our longest introduction so far as well. So uh, we clearly must have been seduced. And uh, it feels that we have missed this podcast a little bit. So yeah, bring it on. Absolutely. Can't wait to
1: do this more often. Uh, So come and join us. We hope you um, enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's fun
2: already.
0: Hi, Lilia. Nice to meet you. I don't know you um, just from uh, many stories Agnieszka told me, but it's really nice to finally meet you. Yes, nice to meet you too. Also heard stories about you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the bad ones. They are the funnier ones. <laughs>
1: I only tell bad stories about my friends. <laughs> only the funny ones. <laughs> only the funny ones, that's for sure. <laughs> the, the, the worse, the funnier. That's my specialty, <laughs> for sure. Um, so let's jump jump right in, Lilia. Can you tell us um, how you came uh, or why you decided to come from Moscow to, to the States? Well, it was kind
2: of always uh, on my mind. I... Um... Never even imagined any other cities besides for New York. Uh, every time when I would watch a movie, that's the only place which would visually attract me with the brownstones and the stairs. Only later I discovered that's not the base, best places to live there because mostly they're not renovated properly. And there are lots of bugs there. But, <laughs> but that was the actual uh, visual focus since... I don't know since I started watching the movies like a teenage teenage age pretty much so it was there was no kind of other way there was just a time when I was going to go and my dad was telling me you should go you should go you should go but then it was not the right time I either had a boyfriend or other distractions or work or something and at some point I didn't have anything so I decided to go. I broke up with a boyfriend that's, uh, that was like my next morning I called my dad and asked uh, for his friend to send me an invitation um, back then I think you needed an invitation for a visa for tourist visa, it would be good to have an invitation so and, uh, our friend sent us uh, the invitation in the mail and that's it, I got visa within a few months and bought a ticket for September 11 and okay. came
1: you also came on September 11th? Mm-hmm. Seriously? Yes. Which year? Uh, which year is now? 2021? Uh, maybe 2010? I mean,
2: 2010. Okay. Ten. 2010.
1: Okay. I came on 2011, a year after you. Mm. Okay. Interesting.
2: That was the time when tickets were available actually. Other tickets were mm-hmm. just sold. Yes.
0: It sounds like that famous American dream. People see New York on TV Mm -hmm. and they want to go. And I've never had it. So I'm just thinking, I must have not watched enough TV in my childhood. (laughs) And I blame my parents for it. We had like two channels. (laughs) And we weren't really allowed to watch much TV anyway. So yeah, I
1: had no dreams. Or you can thank them. I mean, now you're in Scotland. Much closer. Much easier to to get tickets to. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I think we have less rats than you guys. For sure. Less roaches. Any
2: place, probably, except maybe for, for, for India. Probably India only has more rats than we do.
1: <laughs> when you came, when you were coming, did you already imagine yourself? when you, Or maybe even earlier, when you were watching those movies and you thought, I want to go there, did you have any specific... A picture of yourself, uh, or a vision of how your life in New York would look like. Um, my, I think I was coming without
2: any expectations. The point of coming, I think I had tickets for months or something like this. The point of coming was actually to decide if I'm gonna like it or not. And I remember in the few weeks my dad called me and was very nervous and asked me so how did you like it do you like it do you think it's good for you and I was like that like I, I landed I was in a cab driving to a hotel and I was like I knew it, that's it like for sure there was no other way I knew it was my place for sure like I'm not leaving that's that was the idea I think I got a date the same evening when I landed the first date
1: Oh, uh, like a date with a guy? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Can you tell us about oh, wow. that? <laughs> well, the first thing I did because I, I didn't know anyone, uh, my dad friends were supposed to. Uh, they have a, uh, They moved to Canada and they couldn't meet me and hang out with me, like show me the town, or I couldn't stay in their place. But their daughter uh, was in town, and I haven't seen her since we were four years old. So she was my only contact and she was supposed to I don't know meet me just say hi or something (laughs) that was the only person who I knew and uh, I knew immediately I needed to make friends and I went on a dating app I think it was Russian dating app which you just like dating apps right now you can just go to different location. so I just went in right away and booked a date (laughs) with some guy but the funnest part about the date was actually getting the cab, driving to Manhattan, seeing this town for the first time. And the driver was just telling me something about the city. And I was like, I didn't even care who I was meeting. Like, he he was just shocked that I went on a date on the first date. But I was like, I just want to go and see the town right away. Because the the only place we could book also was a hotel in Brooklyn. Deep, deep in Brooklyn. So And I wanted to go to Manhattan, <laughs> of course. Just not.
0: It sounds like you felt right at home. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. I was, I mean, I was like a dinosaur in a, in a gift shop, for sure. I didn't know like how anything works, how the credit card works, how to swipe, how to buy a card, how to <laughs> go through. <laughs> I had the suitcases uh, to go. Uh, I needed to take a subway when I was moving into a room I rented. And the lady in the microphone was telling me that she opened the big door for me. She saw that I swiped, but I couldn't understand what she was saying. So I was like trying to climb over <laughs> with this suitcase over this thing yeah. there. Same so with the credit card. I, I paid. Oh, uh, no, she told me to swipe. I was like, swipe what? <laughs> I've I never seen this things when you need to swipe the card.
1: How does the, the subway work in Moscow? No swipe cards? I've never been, so I don't know. Hmm. What do you do there? In Moscow, I think you just
2: uh, put... I don't remember at that time, but... um, The the swipe card was at the store. I was Mm -hmm. buying myself an umbrella at Century 21, and just... Mm -hmm. uh,
1: Uh, They told me to swipe,
2: Mm -hmm. and I was like... I just didn't know what they want from me. (laughs) So finally, when I figured it out, they told me a zip code. And I got so scared because I was like, first of all, I don't know my zip code. And also, what if they won't sell me an umbrella without a zip code? <laughs> I so what required. Did you do? I just started panicking. <laughs> I just told them where I lived, which was around the corner. <laughs> I mean, I panicked through the hole for a few days. Uh-huh. Or just like I went to, I woke up very early because of time difference, and I went to McDonald's was the only place which was open to buy myself some food. And then the question there shocked me because the guy I had ordered some probably cheeseburger or something, and the guy asked me what kind of bread I would like on my sandwich, and I looked at him like he was an alien. I was like, "What do you mean, what kind of bread?" Because like in Russia, of course, you don't have a choice. You just, (laughs) they sell what they sell. It's like this, this, or that. And I was like, just regular white bread. He he looked at me like very confused. And then I said, chocolate uh, cocktail. He was confused. (laughs) (laughs) Then he gave me my order. And I opened it. And my sandwich was on the... I think on a bun with raisins, uh-huh. which was crazy. And instead of chocolate cocktail, I had chocolate cookies. <laughs> and I just like, I didn't know how I'm going to survive in this city. <laughs> if I couldn't even explain myself.
0: at the
1: But start. at the same time, you felt right at home.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's an interesting
1: dual feeling.
0: We don't get offered different breads in McDonald's here. Not as far as I'm aware, at least. Is, is, is that a thing in America? I mean, anywhere you go, even the
1: smallest deli, you, they always have uh-huh. a bunch of breads. It's like not fancy, but it's white wheat or rye typically. and that's like All the right. selection of breads. um yeah, i haven't I haven't uh, encountered that at McDonald's, honestly, but it was if it's breakfast time, I would imagine mm-hmm. that they would offer for breakfast. oh maybe at the break- yes. I
0: see I see what you mean but i I've, yeah I've never um I've never seen that done on on a cheeseburger um lilia when you when we asked you to complete our short questionnaire you you, you mentioned there that you felt like a caveman or a cave woman rather in a in a civilized country yes. is that what you were referring to yes. all these things that have been yeah. slightly different to yes. to how you what you were used to yes absolutely like
2: i couldn't i thought I could speak English at least some basic english um i don't know ask the way to go or i don't know buy some food <laughs> but no. <laughs> I I didn't expect that everyone besides of me would also speak with an accent and I wouldn't understand them at all. I couldn't talk on the phone with anyone. I would ask uh, someone next to me to talk on the phone if I needed to buy something online or something like some problems I had. Someone would need to call for me because I was just like, I couldn't hear, understand a single word they were saying.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um, I have the experience of just working in the food industry just coming here for vacation and so I had to ask all those questions like what type of bread would you like or uh, somebody ordered a sandwich and I had to ask four or five different questions around that one sandwich what type of cheese and I had to learn all of those names of cheeses that I've never heard before what type of bread never heard you know there is a sandwich called patty melt and that's a burger on rye bread that also you have to ask what type of bread again with a burger what type of bread they want it on and so there was so much education for me around stuff that I knew I knew what a burger was I knew what a sandwich was but I had no idea that you could have it so many different ways Mm -hmm. and like the sauces if you want mayo on the sandwich mayo on the side you know so many dressings, all of those dressings that you know, it's just like people, you just grow up with it. And we never, first of all, grew up going out to restaurants and let alone having all those choices. So to me, it was so overwhelming.
0: And people say America is simple, but really it's, it's quite a complicated country to live in. To order food in, for sure.
1: Yes. Well, how's New York for you? Because it's interesting that New York uh, has a lot of Just little towns within the city, and there's definitely a huge Russian community in New York. Did you? How was your relationship to that community? Did you try to reach out to them and kind of, you know, find, you know, anything that you would miss about Russia, or did you want to separate yourself and find yourself outside of that community and and blend into more of the, you know, either international uh, community or just, you know, strictly American? I think the
2: the most important thing for me was that I'm coming and actually no one is helping me and I don't know anyone, so I can actually start my clean path. I didn't think much about uh, Russians, not Russians. I knew I I would want to avoid Russian men, but uh, girls, I didn't really care. Like, now I look back and I realize that most of my girlfriends are Russian. But I think it's all started... uh, I had a girl in Moscow who rented my apartment and she told me she has a friend here. So uh, she contacted us. I went to have lunch with this girl. Like, with the first look, I realized we have nothing in common, but she had a friend next to her. And she told me, Oh, you want to go to a club or a restaurant? I don't remember. Tonight, I was like, Of course. <laughs> I've never partied in Russia like I I never liked even the idea the feel in the club or anything like that I would always avoid it it's just completely different uh, feeling there and here here people are simple it doesn't matter if they have money or they don't they usually just talk to you and there they want to show if they have money or if they don't have money they also want to show they have money (laughs) so it was just like uh, it was fun we, I think we hang out every day every single day
1: uh, for a half of a year oh wow with this friend of a friend yeah
2: yeah yeah. with this girl every single night we knew each club is open on different nights which, which is good night and different places and we just went every single night
1: oh wow <laughs> to a club
2: <laughs> first restaurant then a club and in the morning we would go to a gym or a sauna or something like this got a very busy schedule.
1: <laughs> I see that. That's a pretty nice life. It's uh, not your typical, I would say, immigri- immigrant's life.
0: How old were you at the time, Olivia? Hmm. <clears throat> I think 25. 25. And how did that fit with that American dream you've had? Was that what you expected to to experience? I definitely
2: liked it, but I don't think I had many plans. I mean, when I made the decision that I want to stay, of course, there was a question, how am I going to technically stay? Uh, But, you know, with that girl who I was uh, hanging out, we didn't really have much of smart planning or anything. We were just, like, enjoying the life. And I've never had it, like... I always was very tense I even if we had parties in Russia I would never drink I would make sure but like everyone is okay I guess that what mostly everything is okay that the place doesn't get ruined or no one would get in trouble because it's the trouble for everyone or I would drive a car or something like this so I never felt anything like that I, I, don't, I don't even remember if we drank that much like here I mean in, in America I mean I definitely was Drunk a lot, but not. Um, I don't think it was because of the quantity of alcohol, just because maybe I wasn't used to the alcohol. <laughs> just
1: drunk on New York.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a common feeling.
0: So, what's happened? Why the change from a quiet lifestyle to a New York lifestyle?
2: Uh, you mean in terms of the, this half of a year of just hanging out? Mm
0: hmm.
2: Maybe first of all, because that was the first girl I met, and she showed me this uh, type of life, and I was just enjoyed it because there was no <clears throat> no bad side of it. I uh, I went there specifically to figure out what's going on in this town if it's mine. That I figured out very fast, and then I knew I had time when I didn't need to work. Also, couldn't work, of course, but. <clears throat> We're just spending time and just enjoying myself and meeting as many people as possible. That was kind of the, the thing. We were just going different places, uh, visiting different her friends or friends of the friends. It was like a, you know, chain of... Uh, not a chain, like snowball.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Snowball of connections. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at, at some point she actually left to Moscow... And I was like, okay, now I need to kind of figure it out. What's mine? Because it was all her things, and then what actually started to happen? What I was, who I am. Uh, how to say it in the correct English way? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are not correct. So don't worry.
2: <laughs> Basically, then uh, I start feeling myself. I mean, I had fun. There's no regrets. We were just like at the funnest places just enjoying ourselves but then actually after that i started to realize what was interesting for me there i start to work on my papers i start to you know think about my future in terms of i need to have a boyfriend then i decided first i need to get a green card and a boyfriend because it's <laughs> not very smart of me i should have <laughs> get, gotten a boyfriend first and then green card for him but no
1: yeah, interesting order of events, but I guess priorities.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And as soon as I got my green card, I met Joel. It was just, uh, you know, who is Joel? I, Joel is
1: my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and so going back a little bit to then uh, times of fun, do you think that that's this that for the first I guess month or whatever the party time you were more of a tourist and you know when you're at a place where you don't know anybody and there's nobody kind of to judge you like there's no you can do what kind of did you feel a little bit more free because there's no way you're going to meet anybody that you know it's kind of that tourist effect where you go somewhere to a place where nobody knows you or you can kind of just do whatever did you feel any sense of freedom attached to that time or was it just completely you know innocent carefree didn't really think about that at all i think
2: Mostly, the freedom was coming from a place uh, when the energy was completely different in New York compared to Moscow. Because in Moscow, everything would mean something. Like if someone talked to you, it would mean something. If someone would ask you a question, it would mean something. I don't know. If someone buy a drink, it would mean something. Like everything would mean something. What do you
0: mean? Like if someone
2: would approach you at the bar, that means he likes you. He's buying you a drink. that's he's looking forward to spending time with you or having a conversation. Like he, you would. It's it's more heavy weighted. Like everything was going on. Every single question would. You would think, oh, is it like just a question or he's trying to pick on you or something, or a girl doesn't matter if it's. uh. And when I got here, I just realized you can just talk to someone. Or you can just have drinks or dance, and that's it. And there's no expectations, not no consequences, nothing. You can just like do whatever you want, enjoy your life, and and it's gonna be fine. No one's gonna be upset on the other side, because in Moscow it's always there some pressure going on.
1: Different, um, different type of connection. I think it's very easy to make those quick connections in America where you just start talking to somebody mm-hmm. on the street and you feel like you're becoming best friends but there's actually no follow up to that whereas yeah. I feel like in Eastern Europe at least there it's really hard to strike up a conversation with somebody so it's more intentional and if you get it is to start talking to somebody and if you go out together then there is definitely an expectation in terms of a new relationship developing. Yeah, you would
2: know this person definitely wants something from you if he's talking to you. Like, Mm. you're already kind of obligated to at least tell him no, you know.
0: Um, Yeah, so it's interesting because the two things you've mentioned about Moscow, except maybe for the subway system, uh, it feels feels to me like um, there was a lot of pressure on you, that uh, what you were saying about meeting people and hidden intentions but also when you mentioned the money and how people care if you have money or not when they want to speak to you, it sounds like you you, you use the word obligated, a lot of pressure versus uh, New York, which seems a little bit more relaxed from your stories.
2: Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, The relaxment and just ease and basically, what leads from it is basically you can do anything, anything you want. So I definitely felt the energy of uh, possibilities in the city, you know, like Mm -hmm. inspiration. And I just knew the whole world is in front of me. That's like, that's the feeling I got. And of course in Moscow, it's completely different vibe. Uh, There is no, um, even if person decides to switch a career, it's a big deal. Rarely someone would hear support. It mostly would be like, what are you doing? You have a stable job and you're just trying to do something new at your 25. (laughs) So it's just not, uh, you know, not very welcoming in terms of the opportunities. I mean, unless you have a um, passion for doing some corporate job and that's kind of easy way Easy path. I mean, you can at least know you need to go to this university, to this company, and just do what they say, and that's it. Like, kind of, you, you're you gonna get yourself in a place sooner or later. But, yeah. Uh, no.
0: Is there anything you miss about Moscow? Uh,
2: I was just driving uh, a few days ago in the car, <clears throat> and I realized that uh, what people have their, on a daily basis, that they have to pretend, they have to, you know, show off and all of that, like, I never liked it, it always was something out of, out of character for me, but now, because I'm living in a life when everyone feels normal and equal, maybe it doesn't sound that realistic <laughs> in the past years, but still, that's how I feel, anyways, is an example when i moved here i would walk into a bar or restaurant and i would see a girl who wouldn't look pretty based on moscow standards but she would sit there and she would be absolutely confident and comfortable with herself in moscow it's at least in my generation now i hope it's better now i hope it's better but back then no like if you're not uh most of the time, if you're not pretty enough for, I don't know, some sort of standards, I have my own standards, but it's like just in general, the girl would not feel confident, for sure. It was just my my friend who was actually very pretty, but she didn't know about it. She was not comfortable with herself mm-hmm. for a very, very long time. She was just not, not be okay to just go on her own to some place and just sitting a, at the restaurant on her own it just took her a few years to actually be confident and realize that she she can do whatever she wants
1: is this something that's talked about publicly or like does she actually admit to it or but, is it kind of like a silent agreement because it's uh, yeah i wonder how you're talking about it as if it's something obvious that for sure she wouldn't be confident to go because, you know, she just doesn't consider herself pretty enough. Is this something that women and girls actually talk about in Moscow or maybe even guys? Like, is, or is it like a, an open fact that everybody agrees on or is it more of an unwritten? Back agreement? then,
2: uh, for sure, it was both kind of. I mean, I never talked to anyone about it. I just always would notice and um, it was just like, I don't know, common knowledge for me that I would not expect someone who is not, you know, brightly pretty to act confident. It would always be in Russia, we call it like a gray mouse usually people would study well or just like, you know, put themselves into something different rather than communication. And um, so that's why when I saw it here, I was like, wow. Until this day, I think I've never, I haven't been to that many countries to choose, but that's the reason why I'm holding to America for, uh, for the kids because I want them to feel, doesn't matter how they look, I want them to feel confident. That's definitely, you cannot get it in Russia unless you, I don't know what you need to do to just make sure your kid is in a very secure, good, nice environment, surrounded by good kids, you know, and they're growing.
0: And that idea that you can be whomever you wish to be, is that across America or is that typical for New York? Um, What would you say?
2: I definitely seen confident people all over the country yes for sure like it's just not uh, it just stopped shocking me at some point <laughs> where I got used to the idea and it slowly was getting into my mind that's why people are actually relaxed later because they didn't have to prove something when they were young I, I know that their kids get bullied and all that but still still in the air it's a completely different age compared to Russia maybe Americans would not feel the same way, but they just have, don't have this Moscow to compare it with.
0: <laughs> and what, what about an immigrant status? Do you feel that this is equally acceptable by Americans, that you are as accepted uh, as an immigrant as you would have been if you, if you weren't? I
2: actually, shockingly, had very positive... Uh, I, I would expect people would judge me based on what I'm Russian, that I'm an immigrant, that I'm getting my green card. But no, I only had support. I mean, maybe because I'm in general very lucky with people around me always. But even when we had, uh, when Joel introduced me to his parents, they picked me up from there, us up from the airport. We went to a cafe. And we just started to have our conversation with this topic, uh, which was, for me, super uncomfortable, but they were absolutely uh, supportive. There was no... They just wanted to know what's going on, and that's it.
1: Like, uh, what exactly did they want to know?
2: I don't remember, but they uh, basically... They asked some... Not the legal question, but they asked something about... I, I don't know exactly. I don't remember, but there was something about not my status but something related to that not a direct question they were just asking about me what am I doing what's because they didn't know anything Joel didn't tell them anything <laughs> and then I just like explained the whole situation right away and they're like oh okay just just that's it they just knew and that's it and we just move forward there was never never any I never heard anything negative or any... You know, looks would mean some other looks. You know, when someone looks at you and you know, actually he doesn't mean what he's saying. It's super positive around them.
1: Did you yourself think of that stereotype? Then uh, there is of like Eastern European women. You know, coming to the states to get married, like those all of those like mail and brides and stuff like that, when you were coming here and you actually found yourself marrying an American, did that ever cross your mind or no? Oh, absolutely. I even remember a conversation with a guy
2: who uh we knew each other but not very well, I would say, and then he was shocked that actually I don't want to date him, and I don't wanna. Um, you know get into anything serious with him like he was because he was terrified of me because i was russian and he thought i would do something so he would need to marry me but something like that something crazy and i was like and my reaction to that was like no no i'm I'm not interested like at all but you should be aware like for sure your fear is for a reason
0: not like he pretty enough
2: what
0: was he pretty enough
2: uh yeah uh, he was pretty at the time <laughs> i just recently someone showed me his picture i was like oh not any laugh was tough <laughs> <For him. laughs> but anyways it was just f- for sure and i could see like i mean from the back of course i'm sure maybe it's similar for you you can see people from your country even mm-hmm. when they're walking far away i, I know they're russians and I just know, and I've seen many girls who came here, and you just need to be uh, be careful
1: around them. They came here, and they're sharks. <laughs> so you you're validating the stereotype. It's real. Yes,
2: absolutely real. Absolutely real. It's America is just you know a very opportunistic country. So people who move here, especially from Russia, they're very
1: uh, they're
2: specific people. I follow one girl uh, who moved to New Zealand and she shows around her group of people there and they're different. They're they're just relaxed and uh, just doing their thing. But people who move here, they're very special. And most of them. I'm not saying all of them. I still have many uh, cool friends who are different. But I've seen a lot.
0: It's fascinating how you're painting painting quite a negative picture of your own country and quite a positive picture of America.
2: <laughs> well, there was a serious reason why I moved, for sure. Like I didn't I didn't feel like it was my home. I didn't feel myself there. I didn't feel like it was my place. Pela um, Verona. It's like. Um, this bird was supposed to be black, but it's white, and it doesn't fit in. I always felt this way. I always knew it's not my place. And for some people, it's great, and they're feeling amazing there. And it was hard to let go of some of the things. And being far away from parents, of course, it was hard. But And I'm sure America is not the best country to live, but I don't know any better right now.
1: And you had mentioned before that there's also a loss that comes to moving to a new country, like you lose your status, you lose maybe some of the things that um, you know, you you know how to do well. You don't have to think about, you know, you don't have to learn that you need to specify the type of bread when you order breakfast. You're kind of comfortable and you lose some of that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about the, some of the things that you feel like you lost uh, was explaining the fact about kind of not judging but like ex- uh, understanding how people look on the streets and where they are in that social environment was that part of it that you had to unlearn that people that don't meet the beauty standards of moscow can still you know be confident enough and just show up at places where you would not expect them was, was that part of it um,
2: <clears throat> in Moscow not so much but I also had uh, lots of friends uh, who would move to Moscow from somewhere and it doesn't matter sometimes if it's just a town maybe 10 miles away from Moscow or it's down thousands of miles away from Moscow and I would always look at these people and think oh my god why would they do it it's so stressful just to move to Moscow and... <laughs> basically start all over and they don't have apartment they don't have family they don't have any support any security there and they still would do that and they were also I would notice that they were were much more active than me in terms of trying things and all that but for me it was terrifying like I actually I think when I moved to the United States I didn't even realize that I'm doing the same thing but just a, a, a little uh, on a bigger scale. And, uh, the idea that I came and back then I have my dad who would always support me. That's thanks to him. I came here because he told me it's okay, just go. You don't have to work. I'll support you financially and just like, just see if you can stay there, if you like it or not. And, uh, but then, when you start realizing that you don't have any legal grounds here you just came here you're a tourist and you cannot do simple things you cannot just go and work that was just and feel confident that you can provide for yourself or when I got the work authorization or something like this I forgot what it's called I started to work but still I didn't have a green card for next I don't know maybe year or two years or three years I don't remember but it's like I didn't feel like someone ever needed to prove that I'm actually good enough to stay here and do normal human things it's just it was shocking of course I didn't think of that uh, when (laughs) when I decided to move when my dad's friend told me oh you know it takes a certain amount of years to get a green card and then a uh, certain amount of money to get a green card for the lawyers and all that, I looked at him, was like, so sounds silly. This is too long and too much. <laughs> it's not going to happen to me for sure. But I also I chose the path when I needed to get a green card before actually meeting a man. If I would just do differently, maybe it would be much easier. Or I would go... And I knew the ways, and I would or if I would meet a good lawyer, and they would suggest me to, you know, go to school first and just do it normal, normal, slow but normal way. But none of these things <laughs>
0: happened. Sounds quite challenging when you're speaking about, you know, not knowing whether you were good enough to, to be there. Yeah, like that challenging. Someone
2: needs to put a stamp on you and just basically allow you to be just a person who you were just wore like two years ago back home and you didn't need to do anything for that like again i had an apartment car my dad and i could do basically any job i want and if i wouldn't do the job i want i still know that my dad would help me uh, financially and i can just date any guy i want like just it was very very easy but also not very (laughs) motivating.
1: Yeah, and I'm also thinking about America being this kind of holy grail of immigration. A lot of uh, political, really, um, and not political um, stories and narratives and media stories and coverage around what it means to the immigration status here specifically. I always imagine it um, as as if it was like this brand new store that people are just trying to push the door, like with the wall being built and everything else. And people are coming from all directions to get into here for some reason that, you know, is kind of half made up half marketing effort of a promise that obviously has no actual coverage. And so that, do you think that makes a difference? Um, If you think of, if you were trying to immigrate to Canada or, I don't know, Spain, is America different this way where it feels like it's a little bit even more difficult and you're less um, worthy of this greatest country on earth? Quotes.
2: (laughs) I think it's definitely, even till this day, when I meet someone who is thinking about moving or um in the process of moving. Actually, I actually met quite a few people who won a green card. That was pretty easy for them. <laughs> but the other people who I meet it just they already know even without getting into any details, speaking to lawyers, checking if their degree is good enough to get some O-1 visa or whatever, or find a job here right away, they know that the standards are set so high, they would need to fight for it. So I'm I'm sure there's a marketing part in it, but also the, uh, I guess needed bureaucracy, like after market, like demand, they created such high demand early on <laughs> and now they need to protect themselves from this demand to make sure they actually make sure it's hard enough to get in uh i when i think when i re- re- finally got the green card i didn't even uh, feel a relief or anything like that i was kind of eh. and when i got the passport it was even less of a deal for me I was just not uh, not focused on that at all. It was already... But this fight, I remember, like, when you're not sure who you are, if you're not sure, and waiting, of course. Waiting was... I had <laughs> panic attacks, which I didn't know where it was at the moment. I was just, like, stuck on the street. We would walk with my friend. And she was like, what happened? I was like, I cannot go. I start shaking and holding to this, uh, the light, uh, the light on the street. I was like, oh, I cannot go anywhere. And we would just breathe through that and continue going. But it was later, maybe I realized that it was all connected. But back then I was just living my life and just knowing that I'm going there no matter what. And right now I probably would be too lazy to do that.
1: And do you think it was worth it now, looking back, uh, all the stress and, you know, really uh, like physical stress almost, was that worth um, the fight?
2: For me, yes. But I also, I could have I made it much easier for myself. But I guess I was also searching for something with what's very worth it. <laughs> so I needed to fight. I needed to... Uh, basically struggle till a certain level and I remember uh, at some point when there was a maybe a last technical thing on the green card when they needed to approve it or something I don't, don't really remember I was just so tired I was like I'm not gonna even prepare for this thing I don't care like I'm just done if they wanna give it to me they'll give it to me if not, not and they just went and everything was fine because I just didn't care anymore it wasn't. I was just probably reached my limit of worrying, <laughs> but I didn't have to worry.
0: It sounds like you were exhausted at this stage, and you didn't have many maybe resources left to um, to yeah to, to, to care or to pay attention or to celebrate for that matter or to celebrate to open champagne. Yeah,
2: we opened the champagne that day, but I was uh, I didn't I didn't feel the. Mm, I kind of felt like that's it, I don't need to do anything, it was uh, just, <sighs> and maybe it took a long time to actually realize that I was actually granted citizen <laughs> in this country, even though I could work before that for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or two years already at that point, but still.
0: It's also a bittersweet story, isn't it? It's sort of um, something that we, we all deserve. We all have a right to be human and to be treat, treated in a human way and treated equally. You, you, you don't have it because you're, you're an immigrant um, and you have to fight for it and, and that that probably shouldn't be the case. So it's a bittersweet celebration. It's the fight that maybe should not have happened. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I mean... I... Uh... In different life stages, I have different find of uh, thoughts on immigration, but in general, I think just some equal support and some welcoming things not only from people who surround me, which was totally the case but from some institutions also would be nice <laughs> even though I didn't I didn't even face that many either angry people or someone who would tell me something like that through the whole this immigration process. Like, there was no real bad experience except for stress, some delays, and some cancellations, something like this. Or just the fear that it won't happen. But it wasn't... um, um, nice, for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, did you encounter any people that... Um, really wanted to help you through it or share their experiences or was it mostly just, you know, um, kind of um, either warnings or like that your dad's friend told you, you know, it's going to take this amount of time, like preparing you for a long fight or was was it mostly just, you know, really indifference? What was the main reactions? What were the main reactions? In general... I would get support, help, and an,
2: uh, advice. I wouldn't say that all the advices were great. <laughs> it just even the first lawyer I met, she was just terrible. She, uh, I mean, luckily I didn't listen to her uh, completely, but she would basically give me uh, very illegal advice on a case, which was just... Uh, shocking i don't know what was she looking into that for herself what maybe work or i don't I don't know what's uh, what was her thing but i got some advices which were just not real not had nothing to do with the reality and only with experience i realized that that they were just not um, not something um, anyone should do or now i know at least the right ways to do it and the simple, more logical ways to do it. And if, if, but you don't need it now. Yeah. <laughs> but I, can, I tell my friends, if someone just think, think if they think about it, uh, at least I can tell them realistically what's the safest, com- most comfortable, for your mindset, way to do it, in terms of the status, uh, of course. Because I didn't know, like I lived for, I don't know, maybe two or three years without knowing if I'll be granted status or not. And that's not the best way to do it.
1: For sure, it doesn't sound like the best way to do it. When we asked you what you missed about Moscow, you, you didn't really give us anything that you longed for. Is there anything that you're missing, not about Moscow or about anything from over there but is there anything that you are missing from here is there anything that america lacks for you i uh,
2: actually i think i started to talk about it but just let myself somewhere else so <laughs> i for sure for a long time i would miss just spending time with the family and just russian gatherings or celebrations are just crazy so you know you would just I would go there and enjoy the craziness of it. How someone can drink huge amounts of what can be sober, you know? <laughs> Compared to me, I can have a glass of wine and just be like, oh, "Hello." <laughs> but what I uh, realized, I, I started talking about that. And I was driving in the car and and I was like thinking that America doesn't have any show off uh, mm-hmm. part of it. But for me right now, it would be so, fun, so much fun when I go to Moscow. Some of my friends show off me like some, you know, unique animal because I live in America. <laughs> or you can just, you know, drive some ridiculous car and just like get all the attention or just, you know, walking into somebody in a dress, uh, beautiful gown and just all eyes on you. This is like, this life doesn't really have that much of it. Everything is very...
1: Like the exuberance of mm-hmm. just showing off. Yeah, but for them, it's it's
2: life on a daily basis. And for me, it would be just fun to do something like that and just get attention and just, just you know, laugh about it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't exist here, pretty much.
1: You know, Karina, that reminds me of that boring life on that island in Hawaii that the rich leading here they should really learn from russians how to be rich <laughs> coming has a friend that goes to like he's a doctor right and he goes he went to this island and um to cater to rich people and they were just doing the same routine every single day just like go to the beach play some tennis get brunch get drunk bed and like every single day is the same no exotic animals or <laughs> no furs, <bars. laughs> nothing like that
0: I I could do with that for the next couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, you know, uh I'm wondering with that because again, so we asked the question about what what do you miss what do you long for and and you mentioned that aspect of showing off and i and I wonder whether there is something rational about you in that, that 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 you miss that that this is what you, you guys do or this is what what your social circle does and it it just feels normal and it feels part of who you are, and that you cannot do it anymore and if, even even if it's in a fun way rather than any you know other way yes,
2: yeah for sure, but again, there it's a lifestyle. That's you Mm -hmm. constantly need to. Just sounds crazy, but you constantly need to prove your status. (laughs) And in a in a society, just in a society, if you go somewhere, like that's why they all wear huge, uh, like diamonds and Rolex watches. Rolex watches probably is not a good example, but some expensive, real, serious watches. Just to basically make sure that everyone knows who they are. And I never liked it. I still don't like it as a lifestyle, but just to have opportunity to shine here and there and just like have some fun. And, you know, just... We definitely enjoyed it in university. We just like having fun by doing something like that. Mm. Just enjoying ourselves.
1: So what would you think would happen if you all of a sudden, um, you know, rented or whatever, tried to display your status in that way, coming to just a party... You know in your friend's house can you imagine yourself doing something like that
2: honestly i don't even know what part of this whole uh set would feed me and would give me pleasure but i'm sure there's something but i think it mostly related to being a mom and breastfeeding and uh, now pregnant and not feeling like myself for a very long time myself like having fun and being the start of a party in terms of like the, just a beautiful girl walking in. I think that's, that's probably what I miss. I miss some just feeling like I'm just a woman walking in and all attention on me. Something like this would be probably what I, what I think, but I still don't know that it would actually give me any pleasure right now. I don't know. I don't know what kind of picture I need to create and do to actually enjoy something like that, but I think there must be something.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's more of like an identity of what changed. So maybe let's let's talk about a little bit about what changed for you um, in terms of from that party stage when you came and you were this carefree, you know, want to be immigrant to now. Um, do you feel like um, paradoxically you kind of uh, miss the status gain more and um do you feel like you have higher status or more status you're more satisfied with who you were? or paradoxically even though you actually have more you have citizenship you have the american husband you have um car you know you have a lot of more things than when you came forward do you think that because of some identity shift or you know of who you also are as a mother something shifted and, and paradoxically maybe you have less status now than before what's your take on that
2: <clears throat> i think with the status definitely i have what i what i wanted there's no i don't have any lack of in that direction so i would, I would say no but there's definitely something what i'm missing maybe just fun <laughs> from the, being a the parent And just doing things you have to do and instead of just like, you know. But I don't even know because I definitely don't want to have any sorts of fun I used to have. So it's not the same. So I don't even know exactly what would give me some nice uh, feelings or some fun feelings. So it's not like something I experienced. It's just I'm trying to search in that direction because that's all I kind of knew back then. Mm-hmm. But they definitely want something. Something.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's what it feels like to like root yourself in a place, and you kind of stop looking around with the same wonder, and you mm-hmm. st- stop imagining yourself all over again. You're just, you know, you are this one plant in this one spot, and you're just growing there, and that's it. And you don't, you no longer look around even though you're becoming a little taller and so you have a wider view and by that i mean you probably have more money to do things you probably have maybe you know more freedom in many other ways but at the same time you have those roots that keep you in place and you have those responsibilities you have a family uh the family is no longer in russia your main you know your immediate family is here and then it's nice but also it keeps you in in one place and it keeps you in a certain role yeah that's why i've been thinking about moving somewhere for a few years
0: <laughs> starting it all over
2: <laughs> not like all over with the, the whole thing but just like with the family going somewhere and getting yourself into so some new uncomfortable position when you need to build something it's just in general i like doing it i like Transforming
1: some things. So saying bye to New York.
2: Oh yeah, I'm ready to say bye to New York for a long time already.
0: (laughs) I wonder what we are talking about here now. Whether it's a it's that status that we started talking about, or whether it's a growing getting older and maybe midlife kind of crisis, or whether it's becoming a mom.
2: Or maybe all.
0: (laughs) Or maybe all of them. All of Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
2: but New York is definitely over... Mm. For the stage I'm in, it's definitely overrated and overpriced and over everything. I don't appreciate as much as, for sure, when you're young, you you come and you want to have everything on your plate right in front of you. It's a great place. I couldn't imagine back then and probably now the better place to to do it. Also with the level of energy there definitely makes you do things and um, just basically get everything from life that you can in that age. But right now, no, I want something different.
1: Yeah, I wonder if New York is irritating with all the things that you cannot do once you have a small kid or you don't have the money. It just becomes this this like this uh, this thing you want to scratch constantly and just want to get away from it
2: well i'm at the stage that i don't even want to do anything in Mm new york there is nothing interesting there for me (laughs) except for maybe some tasty food (laughs) it's pretty much important i mean of course i know a place where i can get massage or go to sauna which are nice but uh, i don't think it's a real good reason to stay in the city
0: so it sounds like maybe your priorities have changed. Maybe, yes. So yeah, so I was thinking about status, which we a were status, talking mm-hmm. about, and yeah, status, mm-hmm. or yes. Uh, and we were talking about it in the context of Russia, but also I guess in America, you know, as, uh, there is a status there too. And I think people can have bigger or smaller houses there too. I'm just wondering why is it so important to us? Why, why is it so important to Russian people? Why is it so important to American people? What's that about?
2: I think mostly it's connected to not understanding who you are and uh, especially if you grow up in a, um, in a place when there is no much recognition or some just nice good words around you towards like kids growing up or anything like that. You kind of don't know if you're good enough so you need some confirmation and that's a very significant legal at least confirmation <laughs> from the outside world at least now you're like okay at least i'm that person now i know <laughs> i can do this at least it's some stability into understanding uh, some parts of you but it's like for me for sure it's coming from just not feeling myself like not uh, even in russia i don't think i really realized because i never had uh i mean i had a stable job but uh, i was fired from it
1: beautifully <laughs> in style yes
2: yeah yeah and um, but it's just I never had anything which my dad would approve and will be relaxed and think Whew, okay now I can I can just, like, basically a little bit calm down. She's going to be fine. She has this stable drop or something. And it was always concern from all the relatives around me, mostly from my dad, of course, that, oh, what are you going to do? How you make sure you're okay or something? Like, he probably was thinking what happens if he's not going to be around or something like this. So having a serious, normal job would be the thing. I think I told you this story, but I remember I was making some dresses for my friend and um, some bags or something. And and, uh, it was easy for me because I would do it on her body right away, like just clip something and do it. It was fast and just super simple. But then I decided to make a dress for myself, but I couldn't do it on my own body. It's not as convenient. So I decided to make a mannequin out of an old dress and I just stuffed, put it on a hanger, stuffed it with some stuff and just wasn't like my actual body shape. And then my dad came back from work and he came into the room and he saw this thing and he was just like, what, are you going to be a seamstress now? He was so scared and so shocked that that's the destiny I chose and now I still keep reminding him maybe once a year about the story, it was like that realized that I actually was sewing something in New York for I don't know what, three, four years and that's how I was supporting myself, feeling very comfortable and just doing whatever I wanted. And he just of course laughs about it now because it was just his fears. But that's what's also surrounding probably most of my friends and kids. Back then at least.
1: Yeah, what I'm hearing and also my personal opinion on that is that it's not actually about not knowing who we are. But it's about pleasing others or actually making ourselves wanted and appealing to the people that we care about. That's the things we kind of collect. That's the society tells us. You collect the cars, you collect the clothes, you collect the diamonds. That's what people are going to love you for. And so we keep doing that as a default because we, and we don't want the diamonds or the cars because, I mean, think about it for you know, two minutes. What are you going to do with a diamond? You can probably fidget with it for like two minutes, but it's there for others to see, to tell them, hey, you know, I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. I'm not nobody. Now you can love me. It's like okay to want me. So... It's an interesting subject because the things that we get in order to fill our status are pretty, this, they're the same, more or less. They can be more exuberant in Russia, you know, in the form of furs and like fancy cars and maybe a little bit less in America by, I don't know, collecting crypto or whatever the hell the rich people are collecting now. Uh, but it's about, you know, that fear of being not wanted. I think... <clears throat>
2: For me, uh, that's what I think about a lot. Having a daughter now, no one ever asked me what I want. They would just tell me, "You have to get a degree. You have to get a job. You have to get married, have kids." It was just basically public opinion about what you're supposed to have. But never. Shouldn't
0: be a seamstress.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> what? Shouldn't be a seamstress. It shouldn't be a seamstress.
0: Oh, shouldn't be a seamstress. <laughs>
1: That's the worst.
2: <laughs> yes. And it's just like, I don't even know. In, in Russian, it sounds even scarier. It's like, it's something from Soviet Union, someone who would sit at the factory and just do repeated one, one thing at a time. Uh, that's not what I ended up doing, but <laughs> that was my dad's fear that I would do something which would probably not be good for me, you know.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's a big difference uh, where you have a lot of people that have touched poverty or were very close to poverty, the first thing that comes to their mind is the fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the same thing when I presented a drawing to my dad, he imagined immediately those people on the streets. Mm -hmm. Uh, painting portraits and that was just uh, just, like his fear and he expressed that fear very clearly to me like you're go ahead (laughs) and study math because you're not going to (laughs) be you're not going to be drawing people on the street and and if it was somebody that was you know brought up and obviously you know I don't know a rich person whatever there they would see opportunity in that they would see something else. Oh yeah, of course you can do that. You can be, you know, I have this friend and you can be, you know, either painting them and one painting a month will set you on forever. Or you could be, I don't know, a graphic designer or a creative director, whatever. These are, it's a big difference. And I think for countries that the majority of people were just like stuck in poverty or just like living, you know, either very close to poverty, that's their basic fear. And if you come to a country like here, when it's much richer, people, you know, there's a lot of more people that have money, they will, it's easier to imagine opportunity because if they lose a little bit of money, that's fine. They're still going to be okay. But if you lose a little bit of money in Poland or in Russia, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind is fear. Yeah. Yeah. I, remember.
0: I think there, there is something to do with the socioeconomic context, but I also wonder if there's another aspect to it, that if we lose our status or if we don't gain our status in the first place as children, our parents' status is affected by that. So the more status I have, most likely the better my parents feel about themselves. Mm, yes. and, and and that's whether the country is poor or, or, or not. Um, there's something there, there's a, there's a direct threat to our parents' status, uh, depending on uh, how far we've achieved or, uh, yeah, what the world thinks about us. Yeah. Because, again, the achievement is so subjective. But in terms of these kind of, yeah, the usual things like money and whatnot. Yeah, shame. So, so yeah. So I wonder whether life is about making our parents feel good about <laughs> themselves.
2: <laughs> I remember my dad for the first time told me or express himself, uh, expressed himself, expressed a relief And some calmness about my future is at our wedding uh, the night before (laughs) we had a a family dinner and uh, we had to come in and there were lots of Joel's relatives who it was the first time I saw them. So I had to come to them, get to know them, greet them, which is actually not really in my personality. I wouldn't enjoy doing that, but it was like, I knew that's, that's the thing. So, and actually, I had fun, like, I definitely took my pleasure out of it, but I think just him sold me in a group of Americans, speaking English, getting married tomorrow, having a nice future husband, nice parents. He was like,
1: whoa, whoa,
2: well, why do you, like, now I know you, you did well. Like, was something, like, he, he didn't even understand what we were talking about. He didn't understand a single toast at the table. Like I was translating some of it, of course, but just that moment of him finally feeling like, okay, now he can a little bit relaxed.
1: <laughs> and what did you feel? I, it was just very funny. You noticed it, but did you, did, was it like, was it nice for you to think about? Okay, yeah, finally. I think
2: it was the, the actual very big moment of me feeling how he feels proud which was <laughs> just, he's, he never showed anything like that. He maybe said something here and there, something nice, but he's just a typical Russian man in that way. He would not show his emotions until they're just overcoming him. Like, like that moment, he just couldn't hold himself. He was like, whoa. <laughs> I, I was surprised by that because... To my, In my opinion, nothing special was going on, but for some reason, that specific moment touched him.
0: And have you ever asked Joel, your husband, about um, whether his status has changed because he's married you?
2: No, oh, I believe I did quite a few times. I don't think I remember what he said every single time. Uh, but basically, for him first, it was... Uh, lack of freedom that's the that he cannot go to movies every single day like he used to if he if he wanted to he would just has he would have different things to do now. Uh, and of course then came responsibilities uh, but um, that's the way he exp- expresses it but I just remember a few moments when he was starting to feel himself, it's just, I don't know, I don't don't think it's going to sound right, but something like bigger of a man that he thought of himself by just being able to do something, being able to go out and buy dinner for his friends, which I don't think he was in his mind allowed to do it, uh, just based on uh, some stereotypes in America exist when you just basically don't want to offend anyone or something like this but of course with Russian life uh, different things came to his (laughs) to his habits but he loved it I remember when he first time did it he was just like wow that feels great and then he started doing it um, out of uh, pleasure because it just uh, he just loved doing it loved just sharing, but in, in Russia, it's—I um, don't know how about right now, but I always remember it was just very nice and uh, only good feelings around it. There was no no bad feelings about just just giving something to someone.
0: Well, it's lovely to hear that it's not only America and the American man who changed your life, but also that you've perhaps changed his.
1: <laughs> For, For sure. sure. <laughs> Let's um, go back to Russia for a second and uh, we want to ask you about the book that you mentioned we ask our every guest to give us something to talk about um, or just something from the Russian or your culture over there to share with us and you shared Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, tell us why you chose that book?
2: Uh, What was the question in the questionnaire? Just choose the book which influenced me or what's the...
1: It's just a piece of culture from over there that you'd like to share with us. Mm.
2: Uh, Well, first of all, I really liked uh, the way he wrote the book, which I don't think I uh, that much appreciated uh, Russian literature just in general. I never thought of uh, how complicated it is to write something and make sure people would understand what you're talking about. Uh, but I think subconsciously, when I was reading this book, it just shocked me because it was definitely some... some. the words he put together to make sure uh, you would feel something or you would think about something. It's just genius. But also I was really into the... Mm, <clears throat> This, uh, I wouldn't say that, uh, I, I probably if I would read it right now, again reread it, I would have maybe different thoughts, but uh, uh, back then, it was what, ninth grade, I think, when I was reading it, the idea of forgiveness and just basically uh, in all the bad finding something good not not just in the bad situation it's just like even the person who created a crime he then can be reborn you know like in general like uh if it's related to jails or some something like that it always touches me uh, more than some other things so just the idea that someone can be given a second chance which he wasn't technically but he was in, uh, in the sense of there was a woman who gave him this chance and just in his thoughts and presence uh, I mean in her thoughts and her presence next to him so that was just something that I think is should be present in life because it was just so clear to me back then that it's just that's the truth that's the truth it should be there so that, that's that's probably when i was uh, replying to a question i was mentioning in this specific book because it's, it just has some you know like something definitely what i sh- i think should be there
1: that's your required reading in russia right mm-hmm. that's also required yes. reading for us do you remember Karolina, your thoughts about Dostoevsky's crime and punishment
0: that it was dark um, and quite, you know, he, he was a tormented guy. So I remember that. Uh, I, it, it wasn't that long ago i have seen a play in Glasgow as well based on crime and punishment. So it's quite, it, it's a known a novel here as well. And I think in Poland, Russian literature and Russian music, Russian poetry, Russian art in general is, uh, is very highly regarded um, I think there's there's a complexity and depth about it um, that maybe um, other countries uh, don't don't have. Absolutely, but um, there's
1: one thing mm-hmm. that we truly admire about Russia. That's why when you said, you know, I didn't think anything of Russian literature. If there, if Russia is a giant by any means, it's mm-hmm. in the literature. That's why I took up Russia But it was
2: given to me, like you know, Actually, I I wow. thought it as a normal standard when I would read those books. I was like, yeah sure that's what books should be it's like looking at the beautiful russian women i was like yeah that's how people should look like for sure i didn't think the same about russian men <laughs> for sure but you know it's just something which was normal it's like i didn't think of it as something special you know mm-hmm. for me it was
0: that's how it should be like everyone. Like i don't know i believe that the psychology of of uh, of Russian culture is very complicated, perhaps more complicated than in other countries, Um, because the story of the crime punishment isn't that fascinating. It's it's a fairly simple story. You know, someone kills someone and they feel guilty about it. And they are thinking, should I turn myself in or not? Uh, There's nothing too great about that. But the way it's written and the way it's explored, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's perfect.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if it has to do something with just the um the amount of philosophical um, and also literally knowledge but also curiosity because of how, where Russia is in the world and the writers were it seemed to me like they were just freaking knew read everything and knew everything like the amount of references that they did and 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 Russian literature for some reason it has giants in poetry, it has giants in novel writers, it has giants in nonfiction writers. It's to me like if I was to name one number one literature in the world, with my ignorance <laughs> at least, I would definitely say Russia the, without winking. That would be like absolutely. Even though I haven't read anything by Dostoevsky other than Crime and Punishment. <laughs> There's are some even good synchronizations of his the show right that they made um, recently I thought um, I heard it was good or was it no it was Master and Margaret I think that they made the, the show on TV show did they make one about crime and punishment uh,
2: no uh, I, I haven't seen it but they mm-hmm. made it, some other ones that were pretty good I watched it but it's uh, surprisingly good for Russian TV mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if any other channel if I pick that up and put it on that net, like tra- translated it or something I'm not sure but
0: maybe one day they will I think the pieces of Russian culture that I'm familiar with th- that they are very emotional uh, there's a lot of emotions in that and I wonder I, I am not sure I don't know that many Russian people but I wonder how it relates to how you guys are and how you experience emotions and how you talk about emotions or h- at least yeah uh, yeah how you are with your own emotions I think Russian people definitely enjoy struggling mm mm-hmm. yeah and just uh,
2: having uh, overcoming drama and having something which you basically go through something and then you get rewarded or something like this it's uh, subconsciously presented and also there's one word um, which I haven't uh, I don't think there's an equivalent in English uh, I think maybe we talked about it at some point tasca it's not a sadness it's not a missing for something but it's like you kind of feel sad but at the same time it's not the feeling you want to escape you it just it's like maybe closer to melan melancholy mm-hmm. I just remember I would drive in the car and I probably had something happen, some love story, something which was not satisfying. I would just put on some music and I will drive in the car and I would be not happy, but I wouldn't say I I wasn't enjoying it, you know. But it's like specific term and that specific feeling people tend to feel and they're not trying to escape from it. They're not trying to you know, do something about it. Mostly, I understand there are some people who are more positive and all that, but it's just this feeling, which is, I think
0: a lot of people purely enjoying it.
1: Comfortable with unhappiness.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel that America stands in contrast with this feeling, where <laughs> Americans, from my point of view, try to make everything as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, certain things couldn't really be easier. And and uh, again, I wonder what what was that? Whether there was something alluring to you about that—that um, that things were easy, or at least that the pers- you know, they seemed to be easier. You know, there there is
2: a, a, some different uh, trainings, like leadership trainings or personality trainings in Russia. I went through one of them, and when I went to America, I just started talking to people. I was like, "Oh, looks like all this." people don't need to go to that training that's what they teach there to do just first of all a little bit be a little more positive (laughs) if you say something you should probably do it you know and just take responsibility for your actions very like very simple i'm not saying that like some exaggeration of that people who just have huge targets or something but just like it's some easy, very comfortable, no normal standards, but there it's, uh, now I think it got a little better, but back then for sure, was it 10, know, uh, 14 years ago, and definitely for me and for people who were around me, it was a much needed thing to just kind of bring yourself back a little to reality without blaming someone Or blaming yourself or just like seeing that all things are against you or something like like some simple things which i didn't see here much at least when i was communicating to people
1: no the americans like it's it's the clearest to see when they're covering a natural disaster in poland versus america in america it was like We'll be fine, like, you yeah. know, we have our neighbors, we're going to be rebuilt, they're focused on rebuilding, like, working together, and, and Paul's like, they left us, we have nothing, <laughs> nobody came to help us, <laughs> you know, uh, we are stuck here by, my, by ourselves, we're just going to, you know, be, we're just going to die here without any help. It's such a stark contrast, it's, it's amazing. And you can see it today. Watch the news covering a natural disaster in America. Watch the, the coverage in Poland and just what regular people say. It's amazing to see.
0: You know, Agnieszka, how in Poland at the bottom, after a, like a bank of holiday weekend, a longer holiday, at the bottom of, of TV program, you get how many cars have crashed and how many people have died over the weekend. And I, I, yeah, I always took it for granted. I didn't know that this is not normal to, to report this so often and that people pay so much attention. And then my dad would say, have you seen this? 30 cars have crashed and 50 people have died. And we, don't, we don't get that in the UK. No,
1: yeah. There's no
0: little strip at the bottom of the screen to say that. Different focus, for sure. Different focus. Are we ready for the rapid fire?
1: Yes. This is just the very <laughs> fast questions you answer without thinking. And then they're very easy. Culture or nature? Nature. What do
0: you feel when you bump into someone from there?
1: Uncomfortable. Table
0: for two or a big party? I'm thinking for too long. <laughs> Table for two. <laughs> Romantic. And the worst moment from here?
2: From America, you mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh my, I don't remember. Nothing really comes to my mind.
1: How about a really bad moment from here?
2: It's just probably one of those feelings when I knew that I won't be able to see family for another year or something. There was something, something like that. I don't remember details, but I remember the heavy feeling when I just knew that it's extending.
1: How about the best moment from here?
2: It's too, uh, the wedding was fun, and uh, and Berta, my daughter, was born. It was also fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. That sounds like fun. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Lilia, for speaking with us. Um, I feel like it was a very honest conversation today and you were ready to share your thoughts and, and feelings with us. And thank you for that. That's greatly appreciated. Thank you, ladies. I really enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, Lilia. It was a big
0: pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. We'd love to hear how you connect with the stories of our guests and about your Here and There experience.
1: You can get in touch with us via email. It's hello and hereandtherepodcast.com. You can also share, comment, and follow us on your favorite social media platform. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and Here and There podcast. Find all of our episodes and links to our social media and streaming platforms on our website, hereandtherepodcast.com.
0: Thanks, Yano, for putting us online. Clarence Bodeker for the Here and There tune. And Kieran for the beautiful graphic. Till next time, friends. Bye-bye.